it was uh, good to get away. It's good to get back home. And uh, it was, boy, well, it was hot down there. <clears throat> and, uh, but uh, I, uh, folks that we were with, and we were with family, and, and they were saying, you guys, you're probably not used to this heat anymore, are you? All Michiganders and everything. And, uh, <laughs> and I said, uh, <clears throat> and I said, uh, I will not, I will never, ever complain about heat. I just won't do it. I just, I don't care if it's 150 outside. And uh, I said, you let me bring you up to, in, to Michigan in January when it's minus 10, <clears throat> and then we'll talk. But Second uh, <laughs> uh, Corinthians chapter 4, Second Corinthians chapter 4, and uh, joy to have you in church this morning. Stand with me, please, for the reading of God's Word, Second Corinthians chapter 4, and we'll read the first seven verses of the chapter. The Apostle Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, writes in verse 1, Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost." in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Verse number 5, For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Verse 7, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. <clears throat> I want to preach to you this morning on this subject, the haves and the have-nots. The haves and the have-nots. Let's pray together. Our Father, I pray that you'd help us in these next few moments as we open your word. I pray that you'd challenge us, instruct us, encourage us. And Father, help us to hit the reset button on how we view uh, this Christian life, uh, that we cannot live in our own strength and our power, but, uh, but you live it through us, as the Apostle Paul uh, mentioned in another passage. I pray that you'd uh, help us to be more like Jesus for our time spent in his house today, for it's in Jesus' precious name that we pray, amen. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. I have a hard time understanding believers who walk around acting as if being saved is somewhat of a death sentence. <laughs> uh, they, uh, you know, the, uh, their face is so long that they could eat apples through a picket fence. I mean, you know, as if somehow being a Christian is the worst thing known to man. I, I have difficulty with that. The Bible says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. The Bible tells us we're supposed to, uh, we're, hey, we're supposed to uh, walk around as not citizens of this country, but citizens of another country. Uh, we're supposed to have the joy of the Lord in our hearts, smile in our face, a spring in our step. That's the way it ought to be. I mentioned this little quip in the men's prayer meeting yesterday, but it is appropriate, so I'll mentioned again this morning, our excitement about being a Christian should resemble the excitement of a June bug on the last day of May. And, uh, you know, that's, uh, that's pretty excitable right there. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not one for lifestyle evangelism. 
Lifestyle evangelism is the notion that all you have to do is, uh, is, is live a certain way and everybody's going to flock to you and ask you what they have to do to be saved. Now, you won't find lifestyle evangelism in the scripture except for the fact that Jesus did say we need to let our, our light so shine before men that they may see our good works and glorify our Father which is in heaven. But that does not negate our responsibility to actively go and give people the gospel. And uh, lifestyle evangelism basically teaches us that you don't have to tell anybody about the gospel. All you got to do is live the life. Well, I, I, don't, uh, I, I, don't, I don't advocate for that whatsoever. However, I do believe that your life ought to be a wonderful billboard to others about how great it is to be a Christian. I mean, you ought to be a walking sign to everybody that knows you. That, and it ought to be obvious to people that, you know what, there's something about that guy. Hey, there's something about that lady that is, is, is different, something about them that just speaks volumes about, uh, there, there's something about them that, hey, I want. I believe it was Gandhi who said, I would be inclined to be a follower of Jesus were it not for Christians. What a horrible testimony. That's awful. He said, I would be inclined to be a follower of this Jesus Christ that people talk about, but for the lives that I see and some Christians that I know. Uh, the difficulties of life are real for all of us, but God does not want us to live under the circumstances. He wants us to live above the circumstances. God does not want us as his people <clears throat> to be down in the dumps, grumpy, grouchy, uh, spiteful. Uh, he doesn't want us to live, to, to be uh, given to our natural tendencies. He wants us to live above them. The Bible says in Job chapter 14 and verse number one, man that is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. And this morning, I understand, I understand completely that the circumstances of life happen to everybody. Everyone has problems. Look, if, if uh, uh, I've said it often, if you were told when you got saved that being a Christian was going to deliver you from a trouble-free life or, or was going to deliver to you a trouble-free life, somebody lied to you. <laughs> somebody lied to you. Because we all face the same difficulties. We all face the aches and pains of life. As we get older, uh, things begin to hurt. Amen? And uh, somebody said, as I, the older that I get... Things, uh, not everything works ever, uh, anymore. And the things that work hurt when they work. And, uh, and uh, <laughs> that's part of, that's just part of the process. But we all face struggles. We all have difficulties. We all have bad days. Uh, we all have less than desirable circumstances. You may wake up and, uh, and things may be totally different. That happened to my wife and I this morning. We woke up. You're not going to believe this. We woke up in our house this morning to twin teenage girls. <laughs> it's true. And I thought, Lord, help us. Uh, you know, <clears throat> Jacqueline Catherine turned 13 today, and you know, if that's not full of trouble, I'm not sure what is. <laughs> I mean, take a number for the bathroom. You fellas... How many of you dads, you've, uh, you, you either have had teenage daughters or you have to, you're, you're going through it right now? Raise your hand. Yeah, you know where I'm at. <clears throat> well, I have a prayer meeting after the service this morning. I want you to come and lay hands on me. <clears throat> I love what Mark Twain said. He said, when a kid turns 13, you put him in a box with holes in it. 
And then he said, when he turned 17, you plug the holes. <laughs> but uh, I'm simply saying, all of us face our share of difficulties. It's just part of life. It's just where we are. Then this morning, <clears throat> I'm, I'm talking to folks who fall into one of two categories. Many times we refer to these two groups as the saved and the lost, and that's true. If you're here this morning, you are either saved on your way to heaven, your sins have been paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ, or <clears throat> you're lost on your way to a Christless eternity in a lake of fire. That's the two groups that we talk about, and that's how we normally describe them. Those, are, those who are bound for heaven and those who are not, those who have Jesus and those who do not, the Bible says, he that hath the Son hath life. And we'll revisit salvation at the end of the message for the sake of those who need to receive Christ this morning. But for the sake of the message, I'm going to refer to these two groups of people as the haves and the have-nots. The haves and the have-nots. You say, preacher, what do you mean? <clears throat> I'm talking about the folks who do not have eternal life act as if they don't have a care in the world. And the people who have eternal life act as if they have nothing. It should be 180 degrees different. You see, the people who are not saved, the people who are on their way to a Christless eternity in a lake of fire, you've got reason to be concerned this morning. Uh, you, you, you need to be worried. You need to be concerned. You need to have a, a sense of urgency about, hey, you know what, I need to get saved. I need to trust Christ. I don't want to spend eternity in a lake of fire. But many times, it's those people, and by the way, <clears throat> if you're here and you refuse to receive Jesus Christ, let me tell you, your life is as good now as it's ever going to be. You understand what I'm saying? This life is as good as it can be for those who do not know Jesus Christ as their Savior, for those who live their life and refuse to receive Him. <clears throat> On the other hand, for those of us who are saved, whatever it is, whatever challenges of life you're facing, look, hey, you're going to go to heaven one day. You're going to walk down golden streets and through gates of pearl, and, and, uh, and man, it's going to be awesome. But let me tell you something. This life can be pretty awesome, too. Because those of us who are saved are the haves. <laughs> he that hath the Son hath life. And those who are unsaved are the have-nots. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. And this morning I'm here to remind all of us who are saved about some wonderful things that we have. I'm not talking about things this morning that you're going to have down the road somewhere. I'm talking about what you have right now. That you need to be reminded of what you have right now. Oh yes, there is the glory and splendors of heaven to look forward to. But that's not what I'm talking about this morning. Paul wrote a couple of letters to the church at Corinth that were Holy Ghost inspired. And the second of these letters gives them and, and the rest of us who are saved some things to shout about this morning. Some things that we possess right now, the haves and the have-nots. If you're here and you're saved, you are the haves. God has given you some things that are in your possession right now, <clears throat> and that they're wonderful gifts from God. And yes, there are the glories of heaven that lay ahead of us, and the Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die, and after that the judgment. And yes, there'll be a day of reckoning, and yes, there'll be a day when we're ushered from this life into the next. I'll be honest with you, I hope we all go at the same time. By the way, the Apostle Paul in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, he expected to be in the rapture. 
2,000 years ago, he penned those words. He said, then we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord. He said, we're going to be caught up together with those who are asleep in Christ, dead in Christ. We're going to meet the Lord in the air. Paul expected to see the rapture firsthand. You know what that tells me? I ought to expect to see the rapture firsthand. I hope we all go at the same time. Amen. And uh, I like what Brother Fields told me a few weeks ago over at, uh, at <laughs> I was preaching over at Heritage, and he said, I said, Brother Fields, it sure is good to see you. He says, it's a whole lot better to be seen than viewed. <laughs> and so, <laughs> and so uh, but, uh, <laughs> but, you know, I hope we all go at the same time. But let me tell you something. Heaven is just ahead for all of us, but I'm talking about what we have uh, right here and right now. Let me share some things with you this morning. First of all, <laughs> we have a ministry. We have a ministry. Look with me, if you will. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse number 1. The Apostle Paul, inspired by the Holy Ghost, said, Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, we have, present tense, we have this ministry. Now, stay tuned in to me because some of you may be thinking right now, well, wait a minute, I'm not a preacher. Paul is talking about preachers right there. Listen, <clears throat> it goes beyond that. Paul is talking to the haves and to the have-nots, and he's talking to saved people. And in this chapter, uh, in the previous chapter, Paul rejoices that he has been saved by the grace and given uh, a ministry to preach the gospel to help others. But here in verse number 1, he broadens the scope to all of us. He said, we have this ministry. Now, he's not saying that all of us are called to the ministry. That's not what he's saying at all. What he is saying is, is that all believers, because we are saved, have been given a life that has meaning and purpose. If you're here this morning and your, your name is written in heaven, you've been bought by the precious blood of Christ. Let me tell you, regardless of how you make your living, regardless of how you earn a living, whether it's full-time ministry, that, that's not the issue. That's not, the, that's not what Paul's talking about. He's saying God has, been, has given you a purpose for living. You've got a reason to get out of bed in the morning. Now, sometimes when I get out of bed this morning, you have, a, you have to talk me into the, whatever that purpose may be because I can't even think straight. You morning people worry me. You people who bound out of bed every morning and you hit the floor running, I don't understand you. There's just something, there's just, you know, it takes me about two cups of coffee to even think about what's going on in the day. But, uh, but you understand something, our lives on this side of heaven are not meant to be just a mere existence. God did not plan for you just to get saved and then be ushered into heaven's waiting room and, and not accomplish anything with, with life that he's given you. No, no. God has given you a purpose. God's given you a reason to live. You know, yesterday we, uh, our young people went over, some of them, to the uh, youth uh, rally over at Loomis Park in, in uh, Jackson. Michigan, and, and uh, we try to encourage and try to help the young people. And so many times we, we look at young people and we say, you know, God has a reason for your being here. And the teenage years are tough, and, and uh, kids are trying to figure out what, what direction they ought to take with their life and so forth. And we try to encourage young people that, uh, uh, by saying, you know, God has a specific reason, a specific purpose for your being here. But you understand God, that, that same God has a purpose for you if you're not a teenager? God's will for you does not end when you're 18. It's just getting started. Look, I don't care if you are uh, 12 or 112 in here this morning. God has a reason. God has a purpose for your life. 
There's more to it than just breathing God's air and eating his food. There's more to life than just living for the next opportunity for pleasure. There's more to life than the mere pursuit of what people call fun. You know, people are funny. We went to, uh, we went to amusement park with the, uh, with the kids who won the fall, program, the fall uh, candy sale a few weeks ago down to Cedar Point. And uh, Cedar Point, of course, is the, 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 the roller coaster capital of the world. And there's just roller coasters everywhere. Man, I, back, back in the day, I would ride anything, anywhere, anytime. I was dumb and not very smart. And, uh, <clears throat> but I uh, had that accident a few years ago, and the doctor said, you know, it's probably a good idea for you to lay off those roller coasters. Anything that has the positive and negative Gs and all that stuff is probably not good for your brain. And uh, if the doctor had known me before that, he'd, well, <laughs> he knew that probably. <laughs> anyway. <clears throat> but... Uh, but anyway, it, it, it's amazing to me. You go to one of those amusement parks. Now, the word amusement, ah means no, muse means to think. The no-think park, that's what it is. And people go there under the auspices of having fun. What are you doing here? We're having fun. Oh, yeah? So, so what's fun? Fun is when you stand in line for an hour and a half to ride a 45-second ride. That's fun. And, you know, <laughs> I'm in the ministry, so people are my business. I, I, I look at people, and people are comical. They really are. You, you sit there, and, and what I do now at, at Cedar Point and places like that is I sit and watch everybody else is what I do. I watch them have fun. <laughs> and, so, and, uh, and if you can interview those people in the line, you having fun? Yep. Just look at them sometime. They are the epitome of fun. <laughs> but you know, our society as a whole today is miserable in what they call the pursuit of happiness. Think about it. The suicide rate in our society is at an all-time high. People are trying to escape this life because, hey... And they're in the pursuit of happiness, the pursuit of fun. Look, you say, preacher, why is that? I'll tell you why. Because happiness runs away from those who pursue it, and happiness gravitates to those who figure out that God has given all of us a purpose and an avenue for fulfillment, and that comes by serving and caring for others. That's where it's at. The Apostle Paul said, hey, the haves, you people who are saved, let me tell you what you have right now. God has given you a ministry. God has given you a purpose for living. He's given you a reason to get out of bed in the morning. He's given you uh, uh, something to live for. Make your life count for the Lord. Make your life count for Jesus Christ. Hey, spend your life, spend your time serving people, serving others, serving Christ. Quit trying to play and pleasure your way into a meaningful life and find a place of service. Find a place of service. Let me tell you something about the Apostle Paul, the man that God used to write the book of 2 Corinthians. He was a happy man. He was a happy man. He wasn't down in the dumps. He wasn't discouraged and depressed. Oh, he had his bad days. Now, you read about the life of Paul. Just read through the book of Acts. 
Read about the things that happened to him. Shipwrecked, imprisoned everywhere he went, stoned and left for dead. You name it, Paul went through it as far as physical abuse was concerned, as far as uh, uh, tough times were concerned. There were many times where he didn't have a place to stay. People would take him in. He traveled from one place to the next, doing what he knew was the will of God for his life. But I'll tell you, look, he's a, he's a happy guy. In fact, he said it himself, standing before a Roman governor, he said to, I believe it was, uh, uh, I didn't write down, I believe it was Agrippa, uh, one of those uh, uh, governors that Paul stood before, he said, I think myself happy. He said, sir, you're looking at a happy man right now. Was Paul happy because he ran around trying to have pleasure and trying to have fun? Look, I'm not preaching against having pleasure and having fun. What I'm saying is, when that becomes the focal point of your life, you're going to miss the boat when it comes to happiness. Happiness is found in serving. Serving. Paul's contentment, his joy, was the, result, was the result of serving the Lord. So Paul said, hey, you haves out there, I'll tell you what you have right now. You have a ministry. You have this ministry. Then I want you to see number two. Not only do we have a ministry, but we have mercy. Look at verse 1 again, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse number 1. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy... We have received mercy. As a child of God this morning, I'm reminded that I am the recipient of the life-changing mercies from God. I didn't say you're going to have it. You have it right now. You have it right now. The haves. Hey, you're saved. You're on your way to heaven. Hey, you ought to shout a while. You ought to have put a smile on your face and have a spring in your step. Why? Because you have a purpose. You have a ministry. But not only that, you have mercy. You have mercy. Your presence here and my presence here this morning is a testimony of the fact that God has withheld his judgment on my life. You say, preacher, don't you, <clears throat> you ever get discouraged because you don't get what you deserve? No, I'm happy that I don't get what I deserve. <laughs> and if you knew what you deserved, if we all step, took a step back and, and took a long, hard look at what we deserve, we'd be real thrilled about God's mercy this morning. Because God's mercy is that, <clears throat> that, that, uh, uh, that attribute of God that does not give me the judgment that my sins deserve. You know, sometimes we can become self-righteous if we're not careful. Sometimes we, can, uh, uh, we forget about our past. We forget about the fact that we were saved from a life of sin. Now, your testimony may be this morning that you got saved at an early age and, and uh, uh, you were saved before... You fell prey to many of the wiles of Satan and the temptations of the flesh and the temptations of the world. That may be your testimony. But hey, thank God for it. That means that same grace and mercy of God kept you from what others may have endured. But all of us are recipients of the mercies of God. The Bible says in Lamentations chapter 3, and one of my favorite passages in all the Bible, where it says that, that his, it's by the Lord's mercies that were not consumed... By his mercies were not consumed. I was able to get out of bed this morning. Why? The mercies of God. The mercies of God. You're looking at a deserving candidate for hell. But God's mercy changed that. You're looking at someone whose life should be wrecked by sin. God's mercy averted that. You're looking at someone whose life should be meaningless. And God's mercy intervened and allows me as a sinner to help other sinners. Hey, we did not receive justice from God. We received mercy. Thank God for it. 
Paul said, hey, you Corinthian Christians there, you ought to shout a while. You ought to have a spring in your step and joy in your heart. Why? Because you have a ministry, you have a purpose, but you also, right now, you have the mercies of God. Number three, I see this. Not only do we have a ministry and we have mercy, but we have might. We have power. Look at verse 7. I love this verse. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse number 7. He said, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Now, let's, let's dissect this, this verse just a little bit. I hope you're beginning to see that if you're a Christian, you're a member of the haves and not the have-nots. I hope that if you're here this morning and you're part of that blood-bought <clears throat> group of people who've been saved, look. You ought not go through this life moping. You ought not go through this life griping. You ought not go through this life ungrateful. You ought not go through this life whining about your circumstances. Instead, you ought to look at what you have. Look at what you have. Paul reminds us that it is not because of who we are, but it is because of who we belong to. Again, you're not a part of the haves this morning because of who you are. You're part of the haves this morning because of who Jesus is. It's all in what he's done for us. It's all in what he's done for us. Hey, here Paul writes about two things. He talks about the treasure and the earthen vessel. Look at it again. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Now, <clears throat> when I think about treasure, I think about a treasure chest, <clears throat> and I think about all kinds of gold and silver and precious stones and things that are maybe, that's my visual image when I think of the word treasure. And then he says we have this treasure in an earthen vessel. An earthen vessel is nothing more than a clay pot. I remember when uh, family vacations, when I was growing up, we would go to the mountains of the western part of the state and we would go through uh, Cherokee Nation there. Cherokee uh, Indian tribe there in, in western North Carolina. They, uh, <clears throat> there was always these, these uh, side-of-the-road places where they would sell clay pots and, uh, that, that were handmade there in, in western North Carolina. And, uh, uh, and, and so when I think about this earthen vessel, clay pot, that's the mental image that I have. And so get the picture. The Bible, Paul said, we have this treasure in an earthen vessel or a clay pot if you will. That's interesting to me. Notice the reasoning for it. The treasure is everything that is divine. Our body, our physical being, the Bible talks about this as the earthen vessel. One day, our human body is going to die. It's going to decay. It's going to go back to the dust from which it came. And, you know, we can try to take care of it, and we should. The Bible talks about the fact that uh, bodily exercise does profit little. Now, some people take it too far, and, and they put so much emphasis on the physical that they pay no attention to the spiritual. But the reality is, this body is going to perish one day. This, this earthen vessel is going to decay one day. But the treasure is what's on the inside. 
The treasure is Jesus. The treasure is everything that is divine. The treasure is the blessed Holy Spirit. The treasure is the Word of God. The treasure is the indwelling power of God's Spirit. My body and my flesh are just the earthen vessel, the clay pot, the old lump of clay. As you read about in Jeremiah chapter 17, the have-not crowd may boast and brag about how much fun they're having while living in sin, but they don't have the treasure that God's people have. Paul said, let me tell you halves something. What you have is a treasure. What you have right now is the blessed power of the Holy Spirit that's available for you. He lives inside of you. He dwells inside of you. He's there to give you power. He's there to give you victory. He's there to teach you the scriptures. He's there to comfort you. He's there to help you. He's there to, to, to guide you through the pathway of life. Hey, you have this treasure if you're saved. He lives inside of you. He's the blessed Spirit of God. When was the last time you allowed him to help you? And Paul tells us why. Look back at verse number 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. God gets the glory when we recognize the fact that it's not about me, it's not about what I can do outside of God, it's about what God can do in an old clay pot. It's about what He can do. You say, Pastor, I'm really struggling with some besetting sin in my life. Have you yielded the clay pot to the treasure that's on the inside? That's a good place to start. Preacher, I'm having a hard time with this drinking habit. By the way, alcohol is of the devil and straight out of hell. Wine is a mocker. Strong drink is raging. Whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. And I know there's a, lot of, there's a lot of people in the name of church and religion who run around today saying, well, you know, if it helps you have an inroad with giving the gospel to people, it's okay. You won't find that in the scriptures anywhere. God said, I'm not, only, not only am I not to drink it, I'm not to look at it. I'm not to give it to a brother to put, his lip, to, to put it to a brother's lips. Hey, it's, it's vile and it's wicked. We need to call it for what it is. But you say, preacher, I'm really struggling with that. Hey, have you yielded yourself to the treasure that's on the inside? We have this treasure. The treasure is everything that's divine, everything that's of God, everything that is of God's will and God's word and God's spirit. It's here on the inside. And all I need to do is let that treasure take over the clay pot. That's all I need to do. And Paul said, hey, you haves out there, you Christians out there, you have it right now. Oh, you don't have to live down in the dumps. You don't have to live defeated. You don't have to live uh, 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 bound by the chains of sin. Hey, I'm not saying you're better than the sinner, but you're better than the filth because you belong to God. You're one of his children. It's a treasure. We have that power that God has given, has made available to us that we may live victoriously. Then I want you to see the last thing this morning. I appreciate your attentiveness. Paul said, hey, you haves out there, you have a ministry, you have a purpose, you have mercy, you have the might of God's indwelling spirit that lives in your clay pot and your earthen vessel. And then I want you to see the last thing. We have a message. We have a message. Look at, look at verse number 4, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse number 4. In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Verse 5 says, For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord. We preach not ourselves. Hey, we have a message. We have a message. 
Our message is the glorious gospel that Paul referred to. It's the good news. Hey, let me tell you something. You look around in this old filthy world that we live in, there's not a whole lot of good news to be found. There's not a whole lot of good news to be found. I, I, uh, you, you turn on uh, the news, whether it be local news or whether it be national uh, cable network news or whatever, you look around, you hear things, and, and if you're not careful, you can get discouraged. If you're not careful, you, can, you, you, you let that news uh, come, and, and, and if, you don't, if you don't filter it through the lens of the Word of God, hey, I've read the back of the book, and we win. That's pretty encouraging right there. Hey, I, I read the last chapter of the book of the Revelation, I find out that my God whom I served, when all this is said and done, he's victorious. He's never lost and he's not going to start now. I'm simply saying we've got some good news. We've got some good news. Our message is not about politics or economics or education or social justice. You can have the right political views. You can have a wonderful foundation of education. You can champion every humanitarian cause on the face of this planet. But, but if you don't have Jesus, hey, you don't have the good news. We have a great message. We have it. We have it in this treasure, in our earthen vessel. We have it as we have this purpose that God has given us. We have it as if, because we have mercy that we've obtained because of salvation. Hey, I'm simply saying, if you don't have Jesus, you don't have the good stuff. <laughs> he is our message. In verse number 2 of 1 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul said, For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Hey, let me wrap this up this morning. Christian, quit moping around like you're part of the have-not crowd. You need, hey, we all need to be reminded this morning that I belong to somebody. God is my heavenly father. Jesus is my older brother. Hey, Jesus Christ died on the cross and paid for my sins and was buried and rose again after three days. Now, I'm a nobody. But somebody invested in a nobody and made me somebody. That's the have crowd, not the have not crowd. The Bible says, He that hath not the Son of God hath not life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. If you're here this morning, you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you don't, oh, you may be having a whole lot of fun right now, but there's going to come a time where you're going to have to come to the realization that in the next life, if you're going to live forever in a place called heaven, you better become part of the have crowd. Because he that hath the Son hath life. And he that hath not the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God abideth upon him. For those believers who are pursuing everything under the sun looking for happiness, why don't you find somebody to help? <laughs> for those of you that are tiring yourself looking for fun and looking for pleasure and looking for happiness in, the, in that pursuit of it, let me tell you, Happiness will come looking for you if you'll lose yourself in helping somebody else. If you'll lose yourself in serving the Lord, hey, happiness will hunt you down. You don't have to go looking for it. For those of you who are not sure of heaven, for those of you who are lost in the filth of this sinful world, why don't you confess the fact that you need a Savior this morning? Why don't you come to grips with the fact that you're a sinner condemned to a Christless eternity in a place called hell? And the only hope you have, my friend, is Jesus. The only hope you have is Jesus. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. The haves and the have-nots.